people deluded i'm back again i hope you're all doing well and safe it's been a while but welcome back to the deluded podcast and however you're watching this whatever platform you're watching this it's appreciated that's how you know i'm used to youtube i keep saying watch 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 i meant listen people really and truly you lot support me across all my content and all my works across all platforms so it's appreciated now there's been you know, not much going on in football. There's the same old recycled rumours. We're going to get on to Harry Maguire. We're definitely going to speak about Lionel Messi. No need to go over it again, but you all saw Bayern Munich lifted the Champions League um, and things like that. And obviously, Inter Milan lost to Seville in the Europa League. I, I actually enjoyed that final t- a tiny bit better than, than the Champions League. Like, I know the prestige of the Champions League and all of these things, the context is stronger. I just felt that was a better general game if you remove the contexts. But it's been a long week, people. So let's head straight into it, man. I'm not going to go over the same things with Harry Maguire. At this moment, you already know, long story short, he's got into a kerfuffle in in Greece, um, you know, and he's been arrested. And there's been a lot of things. There's been a lot of PR campaigns um, and things like that. You know, I'm not going to attack Harry Maguire. I believe he's an honest professional. He's an honest man. He's just, you know, has to hold his hands up for being involved in stupidness. But for me, it's the media and it's the unconscious bias within coaching, you know. Uh, let's let's call a spade a spade. Let's call a spade a spade. I I have not seen Harry Maguire, despite the fact of Harry Maguire has hit officers allegedly, had a fight allegedly. His brother started the fight. He's tried to bribe people. I'm yet to see, and I'm not saying I want this, but I'm yet to see Harry Maguire's name and fug in the same sentence. Instead, I'm seeing PR campaigns as to why he's acted out of character. The whole rhetoric around the working class, um, the working class sort of champion that Harry Maguire could be coming out of a still city like Sheffield and things like that and I think it, it, it tells about the unconscious bias in that when it's a white individual or a certain individual let's call a spade a spade it's almost an act out of character um you know and it's just a it's, it's just a it's just a blemish where when it happens to the likes of Sterling you know it seems as their behavior has been um what's the word their behavior has been what what's the, what's the word not not condemned it's been it's been tolerated and then this one has been the straw to break the camel's back. I mean, Sterling was dropped for fighting Joe Gomez, rightly so. How can Harry Maguire, how can Southgate try and stay with him? I'm not trying to say don't back your players, but anybody could have foreseen Graham South, Gareth Southgate, sorry, his U-turn. Anybody could have seen this, you know, and you have to wonder, even if he did want to select him from a sporting decision, who in the FA above him or around him with his coaching staff said, you know what, you know, let's be a bit sensible here with what's in light. It's probably best not to call him up. And now you've got egg on your face because you've had to call him up. You said you're defending him, you know, despite you actually not knowing the facts. And I think it's a kick in the teeth when it's other people. You're saying other sides of the story haven't been said, which on one hand, yes, there's three sides to every story. Maguire's side, the other party side and the truth. So, you know, you're, you're, I'm yet to see Southgate stand with players, you know, for more serious issues. You know, when it's racism, yeah, everybody comes out after the game or months later and says we do better. But when it's time to stand by these players and it's the unconscious bias, it's not. It's the unconscious bias that has that still allowed Maguire, despite the fact of he's a Manchester United captain and an England regular, you know, to still be called into that England side. And black players do not are not afforded the same, you know, courtesy. In relation to Harry Maguire, you know, you've seen PR campaigns come out about members of his family being attacked. I don't want to speculate if that's true or not. I will say, why didn't these things come out straight away? Um, it is it is what it is. Apparently, his brother is alleged to have thrown the first punch. But the facts coming out, Harry Maguire has been given a suspended prison sentence after being found guilty of aggravated assault, resisting arrest and repeated bribery attempts, you know.
imagine if this was another footballer, people. You're getting taken to the cleaners. So the fact that he can still probably walk his head high and not be witch hunted is a shame. I mean, not a shame is is ridiculous. Um, you know, apparently the police officer, um, the police officer in incident says two of the defendants ran away from them to get into a van and they pushed the officer's legs. They pushed the officer away using their hands and legs. Police witness say Joe Maguire, brother of Harry, was the first person to throw a punch at the police. The prosecution alleged that Maguire said to the police, "Do you know who I am? I am the man. I am the captain of Manchester United. I'm a very rich man. I can give you money. I can pay you. Please let us go." And this tells you the arrogance of the Brits away from home. You know, this is an arrogant. This screams, you know, fuggery. You know, his brother's throwing punches and he's getting involved again. We don't know all the sides. If he's defending his brother, he's defending his brother. But, you know, you're in another country, you're a guest in another country, you're carrying on a certain sort of way like this is this is on the strip or something. And this sort of re rhetoric can be said for British youths in, in Napa and things like that. Carrying It's this arrogance to carry on with stupidness in other countries. You know, if they were provoked, they were provoked. They were on holiday. You know, if he's defending his thing, he's defending his thing. But at the same time, this is disgraceful. You know, he's the arrogance to think money can get him out of situations. You know, fuggery to how he's carrying on, resisting arrest, you know. The, could you imagine just the headlines that would be put? None of this has been said with Maguire. Instead, it's been campaigns to talk about how much of a good personality he is and things like that, which is cool. But again, this is the this is the whole rhetoric that the media afford to white players that black players don't get. And I'm not saying it's a white versus black thing. I just think it's, it's a shame. I think in Southgate's case, there's an unconscious bias to still stand with those. And the media is not the same energy, sim simply put people really and truly um and this is you know to go into another country and, and be that arrogant is ridiculous you know the book should be thrown at harry Maguire. i'm not saying his career should be over and things but he should be appropriately reprimanded with the same energy that if this happened to joe gomez raheem sterling etc you know we've got players that might not be english but players are there's more veem for players buying houses for their family you know for players moving out of poor areas for players dancing at, at family weddings than there has been for harry Maguire. like i said I'll stand corrected, but someone point me to where you've seen Harry Maguire and Fug in the same sentence. You haven't. You haven't. And that's the set. That's the privilege that certain shades, depending on your complexion, allows you. Harry Maguire's defence say when the officer arrived at the police station, they were assaulted by officers. Maguire was kicked on his leg and told your career is over. We don't know if that's true. You know, there's like I said, apparently, you know, you've heard everything from his sister was stabbed to which apparently has been now said. Harry Maguire's defence claims two Albanian men approached his sister and injected her with something. She immediately fainted. They called their van and asked to be driven to the hospital, but the driver took them to the police station. And we'll never know if any of that is true, people. Manchester United have confirmed they're aware of the events, people, in, in relation to Jamie Carragher. And again, the same language isn't said because I've seen Harry Maguire, I mean, Jamie Carragher go on media reports and condemn players. So why has he come out and said, you know, it's absolute BS, every story... Um, someone tells about a footballer always starts with do you know who I am I've never heard once heard a player say that and you're lying Jamie Carragher because Jamie Madison um, not to throw a minute but James Madison said this while he was at Norwich many players say this uh, and I, I don't like to back the media but again I'm yet to see Jamie Carragher with that sort of energy and I think this tells the story you know this 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 tells it all the way the media talk about Maguire in relation to this if this, if this was somebody else's telling the way the world of football has reacted is quite mediocre you know Sterling wouldn't be able to leave his house if this was him um you know 
um, like I said, Gareth Southgate made a fool of himself because a blind man could see that keeping Maguire in that side, it wasn't going to happen. There was still a lot of developments to come and the FA would have to make a decision. There'd be egg on, on, on their faces because there's been a lot of inconsistencies over discipline with Southgate. For You can't have one rule for one and one rule for the other. And that was telling with Maguire, in my humble opinion. On including... Um, on in initially including Maguire, he said, it's clearly a decision that is not straightforward. I've spoke spoken to Harry and have insight that that's very different to what's been reported. If the facts or the information changes, I'll have to review that decision. So the last sentence, he kind of saved his face. But again, you know, I don't mind managers siding with their players. But at the same time, why have you immediately, you know, taken to, to, to Harry Maguire? I'm yet to see Southgate back and defend players with that same energy i'm not talking about when everybody's now coming out and cool to say racism is bad and things like that people so he's got egg on his face and it's the latest slap in gareth southgate's face because i think southgate's done a good job of uniting the england team and the fans but you know there's question marks over his tactics there's question marks with like this how he goes about things as well as his, as his team selection so one does wonder if he you know knows how to carry himself in such a position but um you know he <clears throat> Firmly egg on his face, he said, As I said earlier, I reserve the right to review the situation. Having spoken to Manchester United and the player, I've made this decision in the best interest of all parties and with considerations on the impact on our preparations for next week. Of course, it's best not... A blind man could tell, you know, even if you, even if it was anything to do with Maguire's opinions or ability or this, you know every press conference is going to be dominated by Maguire. If you start Maguire, the headlines are going to be Maguire and it's not healthy for the rest of the camp. The rest of the boys are going to be asked, you know, including Harry Maguire. Initially, you had Marcus Rashford, I believe Dean Henderson... Um, Mason Greenwood, congratulations to young Mason Greenwood, called up into the team as well. Um, I could be missing out one more Manchester United player, but that being said, there's numerous United players within that team. You know, they definitely gonna, the media is definitely going to ask um, um, Rashford and all of these players what happened. Now, I'm sure, rightly so, the Manchester United teammates would back their team, but would back their teammates. But again, you're putting other people in tough positions. Rashford would be asked about Maguire and would have to answer. Do you get it? Same with everybody else. The same with people that don't even play for Man United. Um, it would it would it would simply, you know, just be something that's not needed to be said. And like I said, egg on his face, man. He needed to he needed to do that. A blind man could see that that wasn't to happen. Um, like I said, the latest on, on Maguire has actually been, you know, he's appealing his decision. He's been given a suspended sentence. Apparently, there is video footage of the fracas and medical reports, which were not allowed on his trial at Tuesday, which will be used to support his retrial. Um, um, so it's, it's, it's crazy, people. And I think Southgate went on to say, I've had a convo with him and the facts aren't what the media are saying and he has no reason to lie. So he's okay to play. And I mean, you know, it's okay if you want to believe players. But why is one player immediately believed? One player is immediately seen as the good guy. One player, even at worst, seen as acting out of uh, out of character. But when it's Sterling, they're seen as savages that can't be tamed and things like that. And this, for me, it shows the unconscious bias. The unconscious bias with the media. The unconscious bias in how Southgate is, is speaking. And the FA talk about educational s systems and things like that. This is a perfect example of having to go through that. For Maguire, he's not covered himself with any glory. You know, if the facts come out and he's defending his team, he's defending his family and, you know, all of these things, he's within his rights to react the same way I backed Eric Dyer for his little thing at Spurs. It's a bit different, but the same. But if it comes out that it's, it's a bit different, you know, then he's, the writing's on the wall. He's acted out of character. He's acted like a thug. He's con as, as a British expat in another country, especially in with Brexit and stuff, you've not covered us with any blade of glory. You've just, there's numerous reasons. You've just not handled this correctly. Um, it is what it is, people.
Oh, moving away from that and how Bakayo Saka never got selected, I don't know. I know he spoke, Southgate spoke about he sees him as more of an attacker, but you've got no left-backs in your, in your squad. And it just further confirms to me Southgate looks a bit shaky. You know, obviously, congratulations to Phil Foden getting his selection and Mason Greenwood, like I said. You know, two players with, with futures firmly at their feet. I've been, you know, if you watch me on YouTube, I've been saying Foden is someone for the last two years. You've he's, you've got a fast track him. He's, he's a youngster, but these sort of youngsters, there, they're going to be England internationals. So you need to do what Germany once upon a time did with Muller and Ozil and Cruz and blooded them in, you know. And I think Foden is one of them. I've been calling for Greenwood to get a selection and he deserves it. He's had a good season. You can't ignore him. Big up Danny Ings as well. You know, remains to be seen. Can he replicate this form? But if it was the Euros at the end of this season or last season, better yet, he'd have a strong case of going. Big up to him for being selected. I know a lot, there's been a lot of fuss over James Ward-Prowse, people. I don't mind him being selected because I think he played well. Obviously, people will always comment on players in the championship, but I'm a big fan of Calvin Phillips and I'm keen to see how he adapts in the Premier League. I think he's a decent player in the middle of the park. You know, he was key to Leeds' promotion and he's got a selection for our games in September, people, um, you know. You know, first and foremost, we'll be playing against Ireland on Saturday, the 5th of September. And then after that, on the 8th, we'll be playing away to Denmark, I believe. Well, it just says Denmark away. I'm not sure if we'll be travelling. I'm not too sure how these games are going to work. But it is what it is. The squad in full, people. And, you know, in fact, before I say this, the squad in full, um, Southgate said, we felt now is a good time to move Greenwood and Folden up to the senior team. We're a year away from the European Championship. Let's see if they can start to make a break into the team their realistic challenges they've both shown in big games and at big clubs they're talented boys they're both hugely exciting players i think i think they're part of england's future which is true obviously jack Grealish was not selected and i don't understand why i know southgate has come out and said he sees him as a winger competing with sterling sandro and things that tells you he doesn't fancy him in the middle of the park that tells you he prefers mason mount and madison so i don't think Grealish can get a selection you know it seems like Southgate is looking for every excuse under the sun not to select Grealish because last year he said Grealish must gain more Premier League experience to earn a call-up. And you look at Phillips. Phillips has been, as much as I believe Calvin Phillips should be called up, he's been called up once. You know, Grealish hasn't been called up at all. He's got eight, assists, eight, eight, um, eight goals, six assists and nine man of the matches. Not that the man of the matches matter in a 38-game season where he's played a pivotal part to helping Villa beat the drop. So I don't know what more... Grealish can do I just think Southgate needs to call a spade a spade and just say you don't fancy him with your chest you, I don't think he genuinely don't think he fancies Jack Grealish you know and obviously Jack Grealish a couple of things off the field haven't helped him but I don't think he I don't think he, he really fancies him and rates him really and truly in his heart people but that's just me you know the squad in the squad in in total people Tammy Abraham Trent Alexander-Arnold Eric Dyer, Phil Foden Joe Gomez Mason Greenwood, Dean Henderson, Danny Ings, Harry Kane, Michael Keane. Harry Maguire is now left, so a call-up will be there. We've got no left-back in the team, but we have a left-footed centre-half, so Tyrone Mings may get another call-up. Mason Mount's there. Calvin Phillips can get to show what he's about. Jordan Pickford's form has been a bit dodgy, and, you know, there's every reason to start potentially Dean Henderson um, or, or, or Nick Pope, whoever is in the Both of them are in the team because Pickford has been poor. To be honest, Pickford, Pickford and, and Michael Keane should not be in this squad, to be fair, if it was on current form. And I think it's another case of playing favourites. How Harry Winks is in there as well, I don't know. There's too many sort of sitting midfielders there. You know, you've got Declan Rice, Harry Winks, Dyer. You don't really need this. I know a lot of people can play in other roles, but it's not really needed, people. 
like I said, you know, Jordan Pickford, Nick Pope, Marcus Rashford, who's had a decent year, Declan Rice, who's, you know, had a good year, and it'll be, it'll be amazed if he doesn't move on within the next two years from West Ham. You can't exclude Jaden Sanjo or Raheem Sterling. Kieran Trippier and Kyle Walker have made the squad, as has Harry Winks and James Wood-Prowse. So that's the England squad. We'll see what happens, man. Saka, keep working. It will happen, people. It will happen. In rather sad news, people, um, you know, ex-Manchester United's Daily Brilliant and current Ajax player collapsed during a pre-season friendly on Tuesday, raising fears over his career following diagnosis with a heart condition last year. Um, last year, as you lot know, he was diagnosed with a heart muscle inflammation after obviously suffering from dizziness during um, a Champions League game against Valencia in December. He was fitted with a SICD system before returning to full training and match action in February. This device constantly monitors and regulates the heart rhythm. So yeah, apparently to hear he's collapsed isn't good and we're wishing him all the, all the best and hopefully it's a speedy recovery. Moving away from that though, people, and I know 2020 has been a crazy year for many different reasons. Lionel Messi, could he really leave Barcelona? The man who arrived courtesy of an agreement on a napkin as a 13-year-old who has spent cl close to two decades there, or two decades in fact, now at 33, one trophy, seen that squad change, seen great managers and players come and go. He's conceded that it's time to go. And I don't blame Messi if he wants to go. Personally, I think he's had enough. And this is a sort of, you know, let's get the man, let's get the people at the top who are ruining this club out. Because, you know, everything seems to be Messi's fault. You know, we all know the board is the board is rubbish at Barcelona. But Messi's a player, he's immediate, he's a world-class player at that. So he's immediately on the firing line. And for years, he's had to undertake it. Don't get twisted. There are more Messi could have done, I think, even in that game in the Champions League. Apart from the first 20 minutes, you know, what did any Barcelona player really and truly do? And just in general, you know, Messi's been part of when Barcelona bottled against Roma and bottled against Liverpool. So the players in their comebacks, so the players have to take responsibility. But at the same time, I do think players are scapegoated for mismanagement. You know, they bring in players that are not good enough. The managers are always shaky. You know, the people above the team, you know, Lamassi has been abandoned. You know, yeah, you've got Ricky Peeg and play, um, um, players like that on the cusp and Fatty, but it's really been abandoned. There's been several players that have walked and several players that will continue to walk. And Messi's had enough. It probably just doesn't reflect what a Barcelona, Barcelona side should so on one hand, I think he wants to bust out. On the other hand, people, I think it's, it will do a U-turn. Um, it does seem like he wants to bust out. Like you've seen, people, courtesy of his agent and his advisors, the club has been faxed his intention to leave and the club have confirmed this. And you've actually seen people, you know, there's been an emergency board meeting between the members. Fans, you know, are getting angry and protesting in the street. You know, something has to give. You know, Messi has shock, shock, fully shaken up and shuck up the world of football with this, you know. Only a few clubs can afford him, you know. You look at his footy leaks thing, you know, he's closing a basic salary of a million a week without talking about bonuses, image rights and other incentives. There's only about three teams off the top of my head who can afford such. Manchester City, who he's been linked with and apparently will sign for, the same um, journalist who said Neymar to PSG is saying this, take off that what you will. Obviously, Manchester United, for me, Messi be wasting his time there because it's not the club it once was, you know, away from the prestige and, and the history, but they can afford him surely, you know, PSG and their oil money could do it, so there's probably about three clubs, I'm sure other clubs are trying to f see the feasibility, I even saw a report saying eight clubs, including Arsenal are interested, I mean, what are we trying to do are we trying to offer some Sherberts and Matteo Guendouzi and 10 million for Messi I, re I, I salute the trying um, Arteta, but we know we can't get that 
one sticking point is that there's obviously a threat of this going to legal action because Messi believes he has a clause in his contract which allows him to leave for free. Um, he has to. He had to have, um, I believe, notified Barcelona at a certain period in June, which he hasn't done. I do believe his release clause in general is around seven hundred million. Um, you know, to let Messi, Messi leave for free would be ridiculous. Um, so, long story short, there's a lot of co contesting. Messi's camp is protesting that due to the extension of the Champions League because of COVID, the, an extension of his deal should be allowed to, to allow him to invoke the leaving clause. Um, both parties have confirmed it, and it is messy. And I mean, pardon my the the irony. It is messy for Messi, and it would be quite messy considering what Lionel has done for Barcelona and what Barcelona has done for him. You know, let's forget. Let's not forget he was given growth spurts to help with his health and stuff. Um, it would be a shame if this ends up in legal court, you know, and it's not going to end well. And it, it does look like that's the way they're going. If this is, if this, if there's anything more to this than people are just playing a game of chicken, then it has to go to, to to court because if Messi's team is adamant he can leave Barcelona, adamant he has to fulfil his ob his obligations contractually, then it can only go to a matter of court. You know, even hearing pe the people of Catalan and you know the hierarchy MPs and officials bigging up Messi and saying he's always welcome here, people. So we'll have to see. Apparently, Messi thinks it's impossible to have a solid project with Bortomeu, um in charge, the president who has made some shaky transfers um, in his thing, people. And if we just look at the facts, people, apparently, you know, Messi's informed them. Messi's contract with Barcelona expires in June 2021 at the end of next season with a release clause set at 700 million. Um, this is courtesy of The Athletic. David Ornstein's reported. The Barcelona captain insisted at the last renewal of his deal that a new clause be inserted that would allow him to unilaterally terminate his deal at the end of the 2020 season, allowing him to leave on a free transfer if he chose. The, the clause, according to sources close to the players' camp, stipulate that Messi must inform the club before June 10th if he wanted to break this clause. With, this, with the season prolonged due to COVID-19, that date came and went without Barcelona finishing their season. Which reaches, which finally reached its conclusion with their Champions League humiliation at the hands of Bayern Munich on August the fourteenth. Messi's camp believed that interruption and subsequent extension to the season granted him until the end of August to exercise the termination clause, meaning that the fax sent to Barcelona on Tuesday would serve as a legal notice of his intention to rip up his contract and leave on a free transfer. So make of that what you will. It can be quite messy, people. I keep saying that it's irony. Um, apparently, as of now, the best team positioned to obtain Messi services are Manchester City. And like I said, people, you know, you look at his wages. He's he's on what a hundred nine hundred and eighty-eight thousand a week basic salary. People, nine million per year basically on image rights. Thirteen million a year on possible bonuses plus signing on and royalty fees. You know, this is a serious pay packet, people. This is a, obviously Messi pays for himself. You know, fans can't come into the stadium, but, and it's sad if Messi comes to England and no one wants, nobody's there to watch. Not that anybody wants, but you know, Messi have a bag of fat. Messi ensures at least again. Let's let's be honest. Not every Barcelona game is sold out because you know Messi's there, but it is what it is. But at least for the foreseeable future, every City game, every game Messi plays in. He will be the talking point. Fans will get, but he will get bums on seats for City or PSG or whoever United, whoever could afford him. Obviously, the shirts pay for itself. But again, it is a risky business, and you know, considering Barcelona haven't had much success in the Champions League and and things like that of late, you'd imagine it is quite costly. Have it regardless of if it's Messi having someone like that and the money they're at it, and you're not really seeing the benefits. And it's not because of Messi; it's because you're not patterning up the side. 
apparently um last week Messi met with new Barcelona manager Ronald Koeman and and apparently Messi caught the caught him by surprise um apparently Messi still reiterated reiterated his desire to leave and apparently the Dutch coach told him that certain privileges in the squad have to come to an end whatever that happens Apparently, Messi has made it clear he will not return to training and will not arrive at pre-season tests at Barcelona, which is crazy. So, yeah, man, there's been an emergency executive board meeting we'll have to see. And, you know, like I said, he's been there for two decades. Since 2008, Messi has scored 32% of Barcelona's goals. Not that you need statistics to actually see how good he is, people. More from the athletic people, and I think it is quite important, said, should both sides stick to their interpretation of the legal print, then the lawyers will have to get involved. Apologies. I had to undo my top. Then the lawyers will have to get involved. In theory, nobody would want this to happen as any court battle would likely drag on and neither the player nor the club would want him stuck on the sidelines for an unpredictably long time, which means that some sort of understanding would have to be found. And if Messi insists on leaving, then a lower transfer fee might be accepted by Barcelona. Some at boardroom level at the new camp have privately discussed the pros and cons of removing Messi's 100 million plus salary from the wage bill quite regularly in recent years, even before the coronavirus laid bare serious problems with the current financial model. Messi has long grown frustrated with how things have been going on on and off the field at Barcelona, despite racking up La Liga's and Copa del Rey's over recent years. The failure to win a Champions League since 2015 has hurt and essentially, and especially and especially the increasingly embarrassing exits each year of a number of key players such as Carlos Puyol, Xavi, Iniesta and Dani Alves, who left without being adequately replaced. Meanwhile, the relationship between the board and the senior levels at senior players at the club, including Messi, has deteriorated badly. That has come to boil this season, with Messi using social media to angrily react when he felt former sporting director Abidal had named him as responsible for Valverde's sacking as coach in January, then taking on the club's president, Bortomeo, over how the club's sal players' salaries were cut during the COVID-19 crisis. Sources close to Messi told The Athletic in July that his main problem was that he was being fed up, being blamed by others at the club for problems which were not his responsibility. And it's true. Obviously, Messi probably did, like every player in that squad, had a part in the sacking of the manager because he lost them. But it's true, Messi, you know, he's, he is Messi, but he's always going to live and die by that sword and be blamed for things unnecessarily. You know, I, I definitely feel him on underachieving, but Messi's got to take some responsibility because when Messi, when they have bottled against Bayern Munich, Liverpool and and obviously um, Roma, people will say, oh, Messi could have done this and done, Messi did this and done that. And a lot of it's true, but you all need to take responsibility. If everybody was great, they'd go through. You know, apparently Luis Suarez, who has been there for six years and been a terrific servant, was only informed via text he can leave. And there's been a, several other similar rumblings for Vidal, for Rick, Rakitic and things. And it does seem the board and the players are not singing from the same hymn sheet and haven't been for a while. And for a club like Barcelona, for what they want to do, that's not sustainable and it's not going to enable them to do anything serious. Um, apparently, a former Barcelona employee told the athlete, this isn't just an attack on Barcelona. This is an attack on the whole club top to bottom he's completely fed up of Barca Coleman has not convinced him with his declarations Messi's best friend is Suarez and they've treated Me Lewis unlawfully he's serious about leaving Man City or Inter Milan oh me so Inter Milan's another club and they've been on to Messi for years and I'm sure you've all seen Suarez who is currently at the team and Puyo who actually returned to the club temporarily and left you know a couple of years ago 
endorse Messi and and give their support. So we'll have to see what happens in relation to Messi people. Moving away from that, Leon Bailey and Raheem Sterling have apparently test, both tested negative for coronavirus. This is obviously after both attended Usain Bolt's party in Jamaica. And we wish Usain Bolt a speedy recovery. Who is, I believe he hasn't been confirmed to have it. I could be wrong. I'm pretty sure the latest I saw is he's isolating as a precaution, people. So we'll have to see what can be said. Now, Zinchenko's wife probably got him in hot water with his manager, Pep Guardiola, obviously in relation to their shock defeat at Lyon. His wife, um, Valda Seden, is a sports presenter in her native Ukraine, and she took a swipe at Pep Guardiola and said, You saw what happened. I'm not a football player, not a coach, not a critic or an analyst. I understand that my opinion is not authoritative. Perhaps I have no right to say this, and perhaps Vizenko will forbid me, but to put it mildly, in order not to swear, this is completely Guardiola's fault. At such a crucial moment, using experimental tactics for City was a bummer. I have no right to criticise, but why play free defenders? I simply have no words, because to have such a lineup, look at the players City have had, what a bench. Literally on a few clubs in the world, literally only a few clubs in the world can boast having such players as substitutes. And there's nothing wrong with that. And she was actually quite humble in her approach, people. But And there's nothing wrong with that. The only thing wrong, and it's not wrong because, you, you know, they're married, is that her husband plays for, Man, plays for Man City. And if I'm Pep Guardiola, I'm looking at it a bit sideways because for her to come out and have the confidence to... Again, she's a presenter. She, you know, has to have her own opinion. She has to react to what's actually happened. She can only comment on what she believes. But the cynic in me, if I'm Pep Guardiola, I'm thinking, you know, your, 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 your bird, your wife is a, is a presenter in your in your in your country you know it doesn't seem like a big thing to me because i'm not living in ukraine but she could it could be sky sports level she's speaking on you know and she's coming out and for me i'd say you know what if she's got the confidence and, and like she said she said you know zinchenko wouldn't that be happy but she's got the confidence to say this about uh, um in public considering all the variables that could happen to her husband as a result what is said between the two about pep guardiola's coaching and his antics in private that's what i would be thinking um, Zinchenko quickly moved to, to, to give his opinions and he needed to. He said, guys, I need to say a few things about this interview. First of all, I didn't say anything bad or judgmental about our tactics. So don't confuse my words, please. I was explaining that we as players understand the effect tactics have and how we have how we have such great experience. We can adapt to tactics we are given. On the night we lost to Leon. That doesn't mean the manager is wrong to try. If you have seen my interviews in the past, and the way how I talk about our manager, then you can believe me, he is number one. And, you know, he, you know, Zinchenko don't want to leave. He said, second one about my wife, although she is a journalist, she is also a fan. During the season, she was traveling with us for all the away and home matches because she is a massive Man City fan. In the video, you can see her emotion straight after the game. And she wanted to give an opinion like all fans because she wanted us to do better. We totally understand now that we shouldn't that she shouldn't post it in social media because she is my wife, but she was not trying to make a journalist's opinion of the manager of the team or the team. She was simply reacting to her disappointment as a fan. I'm writing right now from my wedding, and instead of enjoying that unbelievable moment, I have to do this because I can't leave like that. I hope you understand. So, yeah, hopefully Pep Guardiola understands and whatnot, people. Um, I, it's a bit irrelevant and moving away from this, but Louis van Gaal, former Manchester United boss, um, apparently Liverpool wanted him as sporting director. He turned down Spurs because they took too long. And he revealed the signings he wanted at Manchester United. Now, you know, 
David Moyes wanted Cesc Fabregas, Crows, all of these sort of players. Van Gaal said he wanted to sign Robert Lewandowski, Neymar and Sadio Mane, among others, during his time at Manchester United. He said, I wanted Lewandowski, but when this proved difficult, I tried to get Higuain instead. Before I had arrived, I also spoke with the board about Neymar. If you are united, you have to think big. He was also interesting for our club in terms of selling shirts, and I wanted to have quick wingers. For that reason, I also tried to get Mane and Mares, which would have been two signing, good signings. He said, Thomas Muller was on my list too, and in central midfield, I wanted Kante. I even tried to sign James Milner, who was already quite old, but very multifunctional and possessed leadership skills. For the defence, I wanted Ramos and Matt Hommels because ours wasn't the strongest in building from the back. So imagine what it could have been like for United. For me, people, you know, I'm very happy off topic because Ronaldinho is free to return home to Brazil after obviously spending five months living under house arrest in Paraguay with his brother Roberto Assis. Both brothers, as you lot know, have pled, well, pleaded guilty to attending, to entering, sorry, the country with fake passports. As part of the agreement, Ronaldinho has paid a 90,000 fine while his brother has paid a 110,000 fine. Um, I don't know why this is the case, but Ronaldinho will not have a criminal record, but his brother will. Maybe, you know, a bit of that is because one's Ronaldinho and needs the marketing and the other's not. And he just took the case for the guy. Um, Assist is not permitted to leave Brazil for two years and must periodically present himself to Brazilian authorities in Rio de Janeiro during the 24-month span. So, yeah, he probably took the case for his younger brother, Ronaldinho. Moving back to Manchester United, and I know there's a lot of criticism for Lindelof people. But he should be praised because apparently in his native Sweden, um, he tackled a thief who had stolen an elderly woman's handbag. Um, the the centre-back is in Sweden with his wife Marja and their son, obviously enjoying a couple of weeks off before pre-season. Um, a police statement said they received a call that a man in his 30s had stolen a bag belonging to a woman in her 90s after he cycled past and snatched a bag which was laid in a basket on her walk. The man then fled the scene only to be chased down by a man which is understood to be Lindelof who then held the suspect down for five minutes until the police arrived. And that's what you get. You shouldn't be teeth in handbags. That's disgusting, man. Teeth in handbags. Go and get another hustle, man. Especially rubbing it from a 90-year-old lady who probably needed them that them piece. So, yeah, man. Hopefully Lindelof gave him a little kick up the bum and, and a little slap to the face as well for doing that scumbag movement. Moving away from that, though, and, you know, we're moving a bit closer to fans being allowed back into the stadium, people. UEFA have concern, confirmed 30% capacity for fans will be allowed at the UEFA Super Cup between Bayern Munich and Seville in September. And you have heard Premier League clubs, certain ones are considering implementing several other things um, and things like that, people. Now, Man City have been linked with a lot of players. They've been linked with Lionel Messi and, you know, their, their chairman, um, Al Mubarak has had a lot of things to say. He says they not they hold no UEFA grudge following the ban being overturned, um, and he ins- and he s- sounds quite bullish on their transfer policy. People, he said first and foremost, life is too short to carry grudges. It's an important competition. It's one of the most prestigious competitions in the world of sport, and it is a competition we want to win and we have to respect in order to win. This was a challenge. It's behind us. End of story. I'm focused on one thing. How I can help this club compete in in this competition and win it. And how to have a constructive relationship with UEFA, I think, is the only way to go. He was then spoken about, you know, um, the transfer policy people. And he said they're targeting players in the 20 to 25 category. But they're more than happy to be pragmatic if 
opportunities prov- are provided to players who fall slightly out of that. In r- literally 24 hours, you know, Messi's been linked with them. So it's, it's quite fitting he's made these statements. He said, I think if you've seen, when it comes to the two acquisitions we've made, Ake and Ferran Torres, we've moved quickly. We knew the players clearly. They were targets. And when the opportunity came, we were able to come in very quickly and swiftly and do that business. There are additional players we'll be bringing in and we'll stick to the plan, obviously, within the realities of the market that we live in today. If you look at the acquisitions we have made over the past couple of years, there's a consistency in the type of player we have targeted in terms of age and quality. So we will continue down that road. The age bracket we are always looking at as a priority for the first team in that 20 to 5, 20 to 25 category. That's the kind of spot that we like. But at the same time, the reason I don't like to box myself in this answer is because sometimes opportunities come up that fit with the manager and what the manager wants. And with that, we need for the squad that might be out of the box. If that's the case, we're pragmatic enough to make that move. So nothing is set in stone. We have we clearly have a way of doing business in terms of targets and are well defined. But at the same time, we are pragmatic enough to take an opportunity if that opportunity comes up. Lionel Messi. Um, he then spoke about um, in relation to Kevin De Bruyne winning the the player of the year, which was, you know, deserved. He said, I was very pleased because it was very well deserved. It was a combination of being pleased, but also relieved. I was worried because if you've seen it before with City players, then being overlooked for this very important award. And I was worried that Kevin would be overlooked this year because in my opinion, in my view, it was unquestionable. My vote was clear. Obviously, it's subjective because of who he plays for. But Kevin is the best player in the league this year. He's earned it. He's shown it. And I'm glad he's got the appreciation and respect from the footballing world. He has become an important leader of this group. He he is really the future of Manchester Manchester City. And all I can say is well done, well deserved and well earned. So big up to him. Off topic, you know, you've seen Barcelona's incoming player and former Braga player, Tranquillo, really receive his first Portugal call-up. James Madison has also signed a new four-year deal at, at Leicester City. You know, at the end of the day, improved terms is improved terms. We're all in our jobs to make money, first and foremost. Maybe a bit of that is Leicester protecting their value if and when the move comes. You know, Chilwell is more or less a Chelsea player based on results. Harry Maguire, you know, Leicester successfully held Manchester United to ransom for him. You'd imagine Madison is the next to kind of go. When he goes is anybody's guess, but it's nice because it shows Leicester, you know, have tied down players. You know, at the same time, Leicester have tied down one of their best players for four years. That can be long term. If they sell him, they make money and they do what they need to do, but they've tied him down for four years. So we'll have to see what happens in that regards, people, really and truly. Um, finally, let's get into the transfer business, people. Just to wrap this up, there isn't too many transfer news, if I'm completely honest with you. Um, let me scroll right the way back up to where we are at the start. As you know, Arsenal have actually confirmed a set-piece specialist and coach, Andreas Gregorinson, has joined Mikel Arteta's backroom staff from Brentford. Arsenal still still seem to be linked with moves for Danny Ceballos, who... You know, are we going to renew that loan? Partey seems to be in, dead in the water. Apparently, you know, we're, it's not going to be feasible. The latest we've seen is Arteta and Thiago have had a phone call. And we still seem to be linked with Awawa. Away from that, Kolasinac has been linked with a move back to his old team, Schalke. Both in a permanent and a loan capacity. One sticking point, obviously, being the fact that, the um, you know, the Bosnian international earns a salary of 8 million a year at Arsenal. He's on 100k a week. 
you know apparently they've got an internally set salary of 2.5 million so again we've got average players on high wages which makes it tricky of course we could probably supplement some of his wages and then move him on apparently he wants to move back to, for personal reasons congratulations to Kolasinac because like Socrates he has had a child does he want to go back to Germany for personal reasons or does he want to remain in London because he's got a young family now do you really want to move them right now after your wife has just given birth back to Germany and everything that goes with that only he can answer that some reports do say to suggest that um, there's been any talk with Schalke and Arsenal is wide of the mark. You lot know us as well. Gabriel seems to be closing in on his move to Arsenal and probably be announced by the time this podcast comes out. Our young striker Balogun is continuously being linked with a lot of clubs and the latest is Mislin Tax Club Stuttgart. You can see why he would be linked with such. Apparently Mangla Saar has been offered to Chelsea and Chelsea are keen to take this upon him. They're going to sign him up to a five-year deal and will potentially loan him out to another club. Um, wherever he goes is another thing. Apparently, he's got other offers on the table, so it's down to him. For me, so if it's a thing where Lampard and Chelsea say, you know, you're going to go out for one more year and you're going to be part of the team next year, that's something else. But if you're just going out on loan, I think you're better than that. You can go to an intermediate club or a lesser club than Chelsea where you can play first-team football. And to be fair, I'd be inclined to believe, I don't see why he would be loaned out because, you know, some of the defending I've seen from Chelsea over this season, Manglasar can't do much worse than some of these options. And apparently Chelsea are also tying up a move for Thiago Silva. Thiago Silva and Manglasar basically, allegedly, both have a lot of offers on the table. So they're taking their time to go through that. But both moves to Chelsea are done. As is Ben Chilwell, you know, apparently a medical's done. He's going to earn 190k a week and sign a five-year deal. It seems like the Hervites one is progressing as well. Apparently, Leverkusen are completing paperwork for such move and, and whatnot. So, it seems quite good in the Chelsea front that they're bringing in players. Um, apparently, Chelsea will consider loaning out to Mori, who's been linked with teams in Liga. And you've seen, you know, Trevor Chalabar, younger brother of Nathan's, actually headed to Lorient on loan. Um, Bakayoko's been linked to, back to AC Milan. Um, and you lot know um, Emerson has still been linked with a move away from Chelsea. Um, Leicester, you know, a decent replacement for Chilwell could be Taglifico. Apparently, he's one of the options being considered by Leicester. His agent has been in contact by Leicester. And, you know, probably we have to see some movement in relation to Chilwell before that happens. You know, I've, I forgot to mention it, but I've covered it in a vid. Maitland Niles is linked with a move to Wolves. Apparently, he'll sign a four-year deal and sign for a region of 25 to 30 million, including add-ons which will be good. Donny van der Beek is awaiting offers from the Premier League. And, you know, one minute it was Man United, Arsenal, Chelsea, City, Madrid, Barca all wanted him. And now I don't know what's happening in that regards. Apparently PSG have been offered Hector Bellerin. Um, and, and the Spaniard is part of a list of players that Arsenal are strongly considering offloading this summer. To let, you know, if we do, you know, let Osse Tutu go out on loan, sell Bellerin as well as Maitland-Niles, then for me, it's indirectly that tells me the club are targeting a right-back or will bring in a right-back. So I'm not too sure what's going to happen in that regards. Um, apparently, you know, Arsenal have been linked with Samora of Leo, as has Manchester United, Chelsea and AC Milan. But another reporter said Arsenal are not involved in that. So we'll have to see what happens in that regards. Leeds, you know, making some big signings, you know, apparently they're close to confirming the signing of Rodrigo from Valencia. And apparently they've also made an offer for Leverkusen's Jamaican winger, Leon Bailey, which I would not mind seeing in the Premier League, people. Um, you know, it would be quite the move. It would be quite the move. Apparently, you know, Palace, 
it remains to be seen whether Zaha stays, but you know, I'm sure many Crystal Palace fans are are, are, are excited at the prospect of having Zaha on one wing and uh, and and Eze on the other wing. Obviously, after Crystal Palace have agreed a 14 million 14 million pound fee with QPR for the midfielder. Apparently, there was a late bid from West Ham and West Brom. Um, apparently, Fulham pulled out of the deal. But these lo- these teams' losses are Palace's gains. They've gained the 22-year-old for 14 million. Even if he fails to hit the heights he's shown in the Championship in the Prem, you'd imagine you make your 14 million pounds back. You've got someone there long term if Zaha leaves, and you've obviously got a good option to play with Zaha. You've got a winger that wants to take people on. Eze will ex- excite players in. He's from South London. I, I don't know where part, so he'll take to it. You know, it's a good signing, and congratulations to Eze, man. He's you know he was released by Arsenal and a couple of clubs along the way, and at 22 he's back being a pro bowler. Um, apparently Fulham have entered the race to sign Brentford for Brentford forward Oliver Oliver Watkins, Ollie Watkins, 24. Apparently, several other Premier League teams are taking an interest. You know, Everton fans, I'm sure they want to see what they're doing in the market. But apparently, Everton are in talks over a deal for Real Madrid midfielder James Rodriguez. Um, I'm not too sure what capacity, but he's 29. So, that could be decent for them in a, for a couple of years. Um, you lot know there's a lot of talk between Napoli selling Koulibaly. And their president has remained coy. He has said, you don't have to ask me if Koulibaly will play for Napoli again. You have to ask Manchester United, Man City and PSG. They are the teams who can afford to pay certain amounts of money these days. So they're putting it firmly at the feet of these three clubs to see if Koulibaly can be bought. So yeah, man, during this podcast, we've obviously covered the transfer business. You know, we've covered transfers, we've covered Maguire, we've covered Messi. We've spoken about some other talking points, but all good things have to come to an end eventually, folks. And if I'm honest, I don't have much more to speak about really, really and truly. I mean, you lot know... The thing I didn't mention that's actually here is Koeman's been confirmed as Barcelona manager and he said Barcelona is his home and he's feeling very lucky at landing this job. Obviously, as you lot know, he stepped down from his role as Neverland boss. Um, the 57-year-old won four La Liga titles a European Cup with Bar- and a European Cup with Barcelona, obviously as a, playing, as a player, and he served as an assistant coach for two years between 98 and 2000 there. Apparently, he's informed Vidal and Suarez, Rakitic, Umtiti, they're allowed to go. He's told Busquets, you can stay, but you're not going to be an undisputed star. And he retains faith in PK. And obviously, Messi will be Messi. If Barcelona lose Messi, God knows, because they couldn't replace Neymar. You know, Semedo's a good player, but they still haven't evidently replaced Dani Alves. You know, they still haven't evidently bettered that midfield. You know, the Arthur didn't work. You get it. Um, I do think, you know, De Jong's got a lot of developing to do and he is a midfielder to be a player there, but he's been mismanaged. So there's many areas of the team. So if you can't, with all due respect, if you can't replace Xavi, Iniesta, Dani Alves, you know, and these sort of Busquets and these sort of players, long-term air for PK and Puyo, you know, how the hell in God's green earth are you going to replace Lionel Messi? Because you have to bring back Neymar. You have to bring back Neymar. To have any chance, you have to bring back Neymar. You have to bring Mbappe. You even have to try for Cristiano Ronaldo. There's, you have to, because Barcelona have been overachieving for, for a while. You don't know, you know, they've been getting away with a lot. They've had some poor recruitment. They've had some poor coaches. The players have been poor. Like I said, you're buying, they're buying twice and three times over for players. You know, a lot of that's been shadowed because they've got the best player ever in Messi. You leave Barcelona and suddenly, you know, Barcelona are not special challengers. They're not necessarily contenders for the Champions League. They're still a good side, but they're dramatically weaker without Lionel Messi. 
now re- people i really don't have anything else to say so we've covered everything we're just shy of 50 minutes either way it's been a pleasure it's been a pleasure speaking to you lot this morning whenever this comes out i hope i've added some value into whatever you're doing you know i hope you you know i know some people like to flip me on when they're cleaning some people will take me in at work and these things there so it's always a pleasure you know if you've got through this and you like the content head over to the youtube channel you know i've got some other things for you lot to listen to um you know in relation to Arsenal, you know, I'll be back with another podcast very soon because Arsenal play in the Community Shield on Saturday. Obviously, we beat MK Dons yesterday 4-1. Scoreline flatters us a bit. Not that it was a close game or such. Um, but yeah, um, probably do a little thing by then. But as you lot know, it's difficult because I only like to do podcasts when there's actually things to speak about. I don't like to do these little five minutes in here and there. I like to do do things a bit differently. But yeah, man, if you want to see more content, check out the other podcast episodes. Make sure you're subscribed to everything across all the channels, Spotify, Apple Music, etc. Obviously, make sure you check out the YouTube channel. Make sure you're following me on Instagram and things. Everything is in the description of whatever platform you're listening to. Um, So yeah, man, it's always a pleasure. But for now, I need to get out of here, man. It's been a pleasure speaking with you lot. Deluded, I'm out.